Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and this is the Messy Messianic Mama Podcast. Today we'll be talking about, is Christ the reason for the season? Stick around for some hope healing and maybe even some laughs. This week's Torah portion is Vayashev, and he dwelled. You find it in Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 to chapter 40, verse 23. The half Torah portion is Amos chapter 2, verse 6 to chapter 3, verse 8. The Brit Hadashah is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, chapter 1, verses 16 to 25. Thank you all for joining me once again as we talk about, is Christ really the reason for the season? I know it's kind of a loaded question. I have my husband with me today, Benjamin Lacasse, to kind of help me tiptoe through this subject with hopefully not offending all of my listeners at once. Um, We're actually going to be talking quite a bit about Hanukkah, but before we get into that, I did want to discuss um, Christ being the reason for the season. I see that a lot on my Facebook, and I try to figure out if I'm offended when I see that, is it actually correct? Is it righteous? being offended or is it just Erica you're just being a tour terrorist again and should just let it go and uh, once again I have my complete guide to celebrating our Messiah in the festivals by Susan Mortimer found it uh, when we were cleaning out the garage and trying to find the books that we actually want to be able to read and want to be able to keep and I was reading And this actually might be a portion of her book I do not agree with, which is amazing because I actually like pretty much everything in her book. Mm -hmm. But uh, she has a portion that says, what about Christmas? And it says, some do not wish to celebrate Christmas because it falls on the birthday of Zeus on December 25th. But this is also when Hanukkah is celebrated. The temple was desecrated on the birthday of Zeus and Hanukkah celebrates its rededication three years later to the day. However, Hanukkah shows that the conquering of evil outweighs the evil. For many who celebrate Christmas, the birth of Christ, or Hamashiach, outweighs the birth of a man-made god such as Zeus. The reason that Christmas and Hanukkah rarely occur on the same day is that our calendar is solar-based, whereas the Jewish calendar is based on the lunar cycle. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? I love it when people say that. Thoughts. (laughs) It's like, and go. Um... So I don't necessarily agree, or sorry, disagree with anything she has to say. It's all factual. Yep. Um, the the literal date of Hanukkah and of the desecration of the temple was the 24th of Kislev, which does line up, generally speaking, with December. And yeah, she's 100% right. That's the day that the temple was desecrated. It was the day that it was rededicated, and that's what Hanukkah is. It means the Feast of Dedication. Um, and... Again, just like you, I think my views on this have softened over the years. When we first came into this movement, I think we were both very zealous without a lot of compassion, without a lot of uh, care for our fellow uh, neighbors. We were probably more on the side of the Shema that talked about loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, which isn't a bad thing. But I think we were ignoring the part that said to love our neighbor as ourself. Right. Um, so, again, my views on this sort of thing have have softened over the years but i don't think that there's any intellectual uh academic argument that can be made in a rigorous and and consistent way for christmas 
Because it's like, well, okay, you know, we're celebrating the birth of our Messiah. Okay, but we know for a fact that he wasn't born in December. We know that without a shadow of a doubt. You know, a lot of people say, well, we don't know what day it was, so we can pretty much assign whatever date we want to it. It's like, we should try to get as close as possible. And we should look at, well, if you know he was going to be born, wouldn't he be born maybe on a festival that God had put in place? Or at a time and season that it makes sense to be born for, for him to be born based on when Elizabeth uh, became pregnant and when her husband would have been serving in the temple and when shepherds would have been out in the field and all that. And I get it that people have traditions and, and uh, good memories and things that are associated with Christmas, but you also have to remember that, you know, uh, it doesn't, and I've said this more along the lines of when I was, uh, <laughs> more what's the word i'm looking for here stringent in my beliefs and not as compassionate it doesn't matter what it means to you it matters what it means to god and god says do not follow the way of the heathen do not do the things that they do unto me and say that you're worshiping me because i want you to do the things that i said to do yeah and it's it's funny that you say all these things so my husband has no idea the things that i'm going to be reading <laughs> i've really just blindsided him with all of this so i'm glad that he said all of these all of this because she goes on to say, others use scripture to prove that Christmas trees are evil. In Jeremiah 10, 2 through 4, it says, this is what Adonai says. Do not learn the ways of the nations, for the customs of the people are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails, so it will not totter. It sounds just like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? But they leave out a few lines. What it really says is, do not learn the ways of the nations, for the customs of the peoples are worthless. They cut a tree out of the forest, and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails, so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a melon patch, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor can they do any good. That's Jeremiah 10, 2 through 5. Those, these verses are talking about carving an idol, not decorating a Christmas tree. Now, it was funny because I went into my Tree of Life Bible and mm -hmm. went to Jeremiah 10. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start reading starting at the beginning, say verse 1, mm -hmm. 2, going to, to verse 5, which is where she goes. It says, hear the word that Adonai speaks to you, house of Israel. Thus says Adonai, do not learn the way of the nations or be frightened by signs of the heathens, though the nations are terrified by them. The customs of the people are useless. It is just a tree cut from the forest, the work of the hands of a craftsman with a chisel. They decorate with silver and gold and fasten it with hammer and nails so it won't totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber garden, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them, for they can do no harm nor do any good. Now, the version that she reads out of is the new uh, NIV version. What is that? The new international version, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um so it's a little bit different, but not that much different. Right. I think the important thing to remember here is that the context is important. If we as Messianic believers are using this to point out saying, listen, this means you shouldn't do, you know, shouldn't have a Christmas tree, which I think you can do without this verse. But if, you, if you're using this verse to say that, you are doing the same thing that we get very angry at a lot of mainline Christians for doing. And that is sometimes taking the word out of context. Right. This word is talking about building and worshiping an idol. Right. 
Now, if you want to make the argument that people are building and worshiping a Christmas tree, you can make that argument. I don't think it's a good one. I don't think it's one that's going to stand on its own two feet. I don't either, just because I, you know, I grew up with a Christmas tree and mm -hmm. I grew up with great traditions. We've talked about this in previous episodes. Right. I really love Christmas. But mm -hmm. I don't ever remember worshiping the tree. Right. I enjoyed putting the tree up. We always had a imitation mm -hmm. tree. Is that what they call it? Imitation tree? Fake tree, Fake imitation tree. tree. And we would put it together and then we'd put up the lights and put up all the different decorations together. Mm -hmm. Had nothing to do with celebrating the tree. Right. It was just a symbol of a holiday. Now, does it have anything to do with Yeshua? Right. No, it's got nothing to do with Yeshua. And I think that's really what you need to come back to. Yeah, and I think that's really the, the, the biggest point. People try to prove and, and show why things are bad and all you really need to do is to show why things for lack of a better term aren't good aren't biblical aren't scriptural right you know it, people say well you know why can't we have a christmas tree why can't we do these things it's like you know what here's my thing if you want to do that then do that but do with the all of the other stuff that's in the bible first get all of that figured out get all that situated and then you can go ahead and say, well, let's go ahead and look at these things and see what, you know. and maybe, you know, you think you can redeem some of them. I don't personally, I don't think that there, there's, I don't think there's anything honoring to God in, in a Christmas tree or in, in, in uh, any of the other things that have become worldly. And let's think about this, like Christmas is in a lot of ways, one of the most secular holidays out there because not, I didn't grow up as a believer and we celebrated Christmas. It wasn't about Yeshua. It wasn't about Jesus for the vast majority of the world. It was about giving and receiving presents. It was about celebrating the season. It was about Santa Claus. If you can't make a distinction and separate out yourself from the world, then don't complain when the world starts invading your spaces. Right. Now she goes on to say, others object to celebrating Christmas because they believe that Yeshua was not born on December 25th. The shepherds would not have been out in the field in the dead of winter. But those who argue that Yeshua must have been born during the festival of tabernacles or Sukkot acknowledge that he would have been conceived at Hanukkah. Mm -hmm. So December 25th could still be the celebration of the coming of the light of the world. Maybe not of his birth, but of his conception. I thought that was a very interesting angle to take. It is a very interesting angle to take. And let me see how to say this in a PG way. Like... So we're celebrating his conception. Right. I mean, I get it. And it's a good thing to look at and say, listen, based on the timeline, it lines up and all that. But I don't think that, you know, we're not going to go out there and see, okay, calculate back. This is when Moses was conceived. So we're going to go ahead and, you know, create a festival and a celebration of Moses being con conceived. I don't, I don't think that. Well, the difference is that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Correct. Absolutely. Right. Um, I, maybe that's the argument. I don't know. No, which is totally fine and good. Uh, I just for the thousands of years that it's been celebrated, it's been marketed by everyone from Constantine's mother all the way down as the birth. Right. And generally speaking, you know, we mark in, at least in our culture, we mark birthdays. We don't mark conceptions. Um, but it is good. And I think interesting to look at that. I, I hadn't, I think I've heard of that before, but I had forgotten, yeah. but it's a good point that, you know, he was conceived at that time. That is, when the light of the world came into the world. And I think that may be one of the reasons why Yeshua at the Feast of Dedication gets up in front of everyone and you know, proclaims out a loud voice, I am the light of the world. Right. Still others shun Christmas because God never instructed us to celebrate Yeshua's birthday. Yet they celebrate each other's birthdays with joy and gratitude. 
why should we not celebrate the birth of the long-awaited Messiah with joy and gratitude to God for fulfilling his many promises? Many people do abuse and pervert Christmas, yet to others it is still about Yeshua, giving, and family. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing where we need to be able to take a step back and to say, when we're speaking to our brothers and sisters who maybe don't exactly believe like us, we can at least give them the credit of saying their beliefs are genuine. Their beliefs are wholeheartedly sincere. We don't have to agree with them and we don't have to think they're correct, but we can at least give them the benefit of the doubt of saying that they sincerely and wholeheartedly believe that. Right. I agree. The other, uh, the organization called Jews for Jesus says that Christmas opens up an avenue for discussing Yeshua because it is out in the open. Mm -hmm. Any day, day that Yeshua is honored is a good day. You know, I agree with them there um, because it does open up an avenue. And I take that from a different perspective. Um, and I go back to the example I've given many times. When I was in the Marines, one of the largest, most frequent opportunities I had to speak about my faith would be at mealtime. You know, when we were going to have breakfast or we're going to have lunch or we're going to have dinner at, on base or out in, in the field or wherever. And we'd sit down and, and they'd say, all right, you know, here's what we're having. And I'd be like, well, I can't eat that because it's you know got pork or shellfish or this or that. And it wasn't, you know, trying to be a pain in the butt, but it was an opportunity because always, always, always the next question was, why is that? And I get to answer the question and I get to talk about my faith and I get to speak about my Messiah. And in the same way, when, you know, people are saying, you know, hey, you know, have a Merry Christmas, have a Happy Holidays, all this, instead of getting all upset and hoity-toity about it like we used to be, and we, our kids would even, you know, sometimes whenever someone at the store would say, Happy, you know, Merry Christmas, and they'd, you know, kind of in a somewhat mean voice, but Happy Hanukkah. Instead of doing that, it's an opportunity for us to explain, well, we don't, we don't necessarily do that. It's good that you do, but let me tell you about what we do. Let me tell you about Hanukkah. Let me tell you about Yeshua being the light of the world. Let me tell you about the Jewish heritage of the Messiah. Yeah. And I think that so often we forget that as believers who maybe are not messianic. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I knew that that was not something that was really delved into growing up, that he right. was Jewish right. and that, you know, he celebrated just, these things. It just kind of went without saying. It, well, it did, but I think when it goes without saying and you haven't been taught it, you don't know. You right. end up not learning it. Right. Um, it says, search your heart and pray as you decide for yourself what you will do about Christmas or any holiday. So really what it comes down to is, for me anyways, when you ask, is Christ the reason for the season? For me personally, the answer is no. But the answer is also, Yeshua should be the reason for every season. It shouldn't be just for one. And I know that you don't like that saying. It's not that I don't like it. I agree with you. Okay. However, I also think it's kind of a cop out. It's kind of like, well, you know all things are, are, are equal and the same and, and everyone's point of view matters. It's okay. Yeah, got it. But some people's point of view are objectively more correct than others. And I'm not saying that ours is, but I'm thinking of like, you know, well, this is my truth. Right. And, and it's like, well, I don't care what your truth is. I care what God's truth is. Well, that's what I mean when I say that Yeshua is a reason for every season, because he is in every single feast and right. different parts of each season Absolutely. that we go through. Absolutely. And so it's like, you know, look, when you're, Everyday life, Yeshua mm -hmm. should be the center of yep. what we're doing, what our thoughts are, how we're treating others. And so it's not like this is the only season we should really be focusing on that. Correct. I agree with Kind of like with Yom Kippur. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, the Day of Atonement that we're, we're focusing on 
what on the day of atonement. We're yeah, we're focusing on atoning, you know, making, making atonement, amends. making amends, yeah. reconciling. But we should always be doing that. But I, I when that time of year come, came up this year, I had the thought, well, you know, yes, we should. But in the same way that we can rest any day of the week we want to, God has set aside a day for us to rest. And so we should rest on that day. Yeah. And in the same way that we can make atonement and restitution and, you know, we can make uh, reconciliation at any time of the year. And we should, we should also honor the God, the time that God has set aside for us to make that uh, atonement and restitution and, and, and what have you. Right. Um, and also I, uh, I'm going to kind of move, change gears a little bit. Do you have one more thing? You I have say? one more thing I wanted okay. to say. I'm also thinking of a lot of like our congregants who, have extended families that still celebrate Christmas. I mean, ours do. Yeah. And so they'll go and they'll travel to be with family. And if they happen to be celebrating Christmas, it's kind of like, I think of that story in the Bible where the, uh, the Syrian general is suffering from leprosy yeah. and he goes and, and he's healed in the Jordan river and he goes to the prophet and he says, listen, I'm, I, I believe in the God of Israel. The God of Israel is my God. Now I, I I'm sold out, but please, pray for me that God will forgive me if when the king is leaning on my arm in the, you know, his temple that, you know, it kind of causes me to bow down a little bit as well. Don't, don't think that I'm worshiping this foreign God. Right. It, he's, he's honoring his king. He's, he's, you know, for back, lack of a better term, his extended family, he's still uh, being with them, but in spirit and in his heart and in his mind, he worships the God of Israel now. And kind of changing gears a little bit is just, I do want to talk a little bit about Hanukkah because that's coming up this week. It starts on the 7th of December is mm -hmm. the first night of Hanukkah. And I know there are times where you, you really, especially if you're new to this, you don't know how to celebrate. And I kind of want to just go over a little bit of what we do. Mm -hmm. um, the lights of Hanukkah are a symbol of our joy. In time of darkness, our ancestors had the courage to struggle for freedom, freedom to be themselves, freedom to worship in their own way. Theirs was a victory of the weak over the strong, the few over the many, and the righteous over the arrogant. It was a victory for all ages and all peoples. Before we go on any further, I want to use this opportunity to hijack Erica's podcast a little bit and, oh, fantastic. and brag about her. Oh. So okay. she was telling me this the other day, and it really struck a chord with me and it really impressed me. So every year around this time, she puts up her little Hanukkah decorations on her school bus. She drives a school bus for a Christian school. And it's been so many years and she's been so diligent about it and doing it and about teaching her kids on the bus about why she does it, and what these things are going on, that she doesn't even have to teach her kids, the new kids about it anymore. The new younger kids will get on the bus and kind of look around like, what is this? And the older kids will say, oh, this is what's going on. This is what this is. This candle right here in the middle, that represents Jesus. And I was so impressed by the fact that your diligence in teaching these children has caused them to begin teaching the next generation and the younger kids and the younger kids. And that's really the way that we should be doing it. Um, and I just wanted to give you props and to, you know, call you out right there on your podcast and let everybody know how impressed I was by that. Well, thank you. I was not looking for that props. I was planning on telling that story, mm -hmm. but you beat me to it. Mm -hmm. So, um, as he was talking about how the, uh, the Hanukkah, which is not the menorah, the menorah only has seven, or seven, seven candles, seven mm -hmm. stands for the candles. Is that what they, they're not candles. They're, they're, they're lamps. They're, they're oil lamps. But yes, true. yes. The oil lamps in the temple. Mm -hmm. However, the Hanukkah has eight, nine, nine. Does it have nine? Yeah. Nine, cause nine. the servant candle is in the middle. I always yep. forget that that's, you know, I always consider that kind of a separate thing. So 
the tallest candle, which is in the middle, is called the Shamash candle. And it symbolizes Yeshua and also that it's called the servant candle. And traditionally, we say a blessing before we place the first candle, because we use candle, we don't use oil lamps. Uh, but it's, blessed are you, Adonai, our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with his commandments and the blood of Messiah Yeshua, and has given us Hanukkah lights and Yeshua, the light of the world. And then you place the Shamash candle um, in its holder. But then you say before placing the candles from right to left, because you light the candles from right to left, kind of like you're reading Hebrew, unlike English, which is left to right, they read it right to left. And you say, blessed are you, Adonai, our God, king of the universe, who has wrought miracles for our forefathers in those days at this season. And after you've placed the candles, you say, blessed are you, Adonai, our God, king of the universe, who has kept us alive, sustained us, and brought us to the season. And you say that one only on the first night of Hanukkah. Now, one thing that I do with our family is we talk about um, each night, each candle is represented uh, has a representation. Obviously, the Shamash candle, which is the candle that lights all the other candles, um, is a servant candle. It represents Messiah Yeshua, and it states in Mark chapter 10, verses 44 to 45, whoever wishes to be first among you shall be the servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Mm. He is the servant. The first candle, um, you find that in Genesis 1, Verses three to four, it describes the creation of the first light. It says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Mm -hmm. The second candle you find in Exodus chapter 13, verses 21 to 22. It reveals that God is the source of Israel's light. And the Lord was going before them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them on the way. And in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day, nor the pillar of fire by night from before the people. The third candle. King David reminds us that God himself is a source of our own individual light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Psalm 27, 1. And Psalm 18, 28 says, For you light my lamp, the Lord my God illuminates my darkness. The fourth candle. Psalm 119 and Psalm uh, verse 105 and Psalm 119, 130 describe the light that comes from God's word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. The fifth candle, Messiah Yeshua is the greatest light of all. John chapter one, verses four through five says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. As Messiah Yeshua, this is John 8, uh, verse 12, it says, As Messiah Yeshua was in the temple in Jerusalem, watching the illuminating lights, he declared, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. Which is what you were talking about earlier. Correct. In Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 30 to 32, it says, Aged Simeon was promised by the Lord that he would not die until he saw Israel's Messiah. When he saw Yeshua as an infant in the temple, he knew that this one was the light of Israel and the nations. Simeon declared, My eye has seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. 
2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. For God, who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Messiah. Now, at this point, my children always point out, especially with the fifth candle, and there might be a sixth or seventh candle waiting, and the servant candle is melting while they're holding it. They point out, maybe we should just pick one of these verses to say before uh, this melts all over my hand. Right. Now, the sixth candle says, after we come to know Messiah, we are to be a source of light for the world. King Messiah tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 to 16, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under the peck measure, put, uh, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that he may that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The seventh candle. The prophet Isaiah speaks of a future glory of a restored Israel in Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And finally, the eighth candle. Revelation chapter 21, verses 22 to 27, gives us a description of our glorious eternal dwelling place in the new Jerusalem. And I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. And the nation shall walk by its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring their glory into it. And in the daytime, for there shall be no night there, its gates shall never be closed. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And I really like, I found that online many years ago. Mm -hmm. And I really like going through that because it gives you different portions of the entire Bible. You go basically through the whole word of God talking about the light of the world and how you could see Yeshua representing and being part of that light yep. in every aspect. You know what I would think would be a really fun exercise to do sometime would be to rewrite that. Now, I don't think that, that one is bad at all, yeah. but I imagine that there's other scriptures that you could find as well that oh, would fit absolutely. those different uh, lights and to see if you you know could uh, do that one year did you go through the Bible and mm -hmm. say, okay, this is the scripture we're going to use for the first day and the second day and the third day. And it's something new and you can do with the kids and, and right. each of them could come up with something. That'd be really cool. Yeah, it would. And honestly, like they have different, um, different ones actually in the book, the celebrating your feasts, the feast, the Messiah and the feasts. Mm -hmm. Um, but I didn't really like them. Right. And so I went and found different, different ones because right. it wasn't actually from the person who wrote it. It was like an excerpt from somebody that she had um, grabbed okay. it from, I guess, right. or written in and said, hey, this is what we do with our family. Mm -hmm. In fact, some people do candles and do <coughs> certain lights mm -hmm. for certain nights. As in, like, they basically make their candle a rainbow ca candle. Oh, I see. Representing the promises of, of God and gotcha. uh, of Adonai, what he gave to mm -hmm. us. and um, Different colored wax on the candles. Correct. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So I, that's a neat idea as well, which we've never really done. Yeah. Changing years kind of entirely. I, I remember someone uh, having a, a, a discussion about whether a, uh electric Hanukkah was a kosher Hanukkah or not. And, like, whether that was acceptable. And whether that was was good. Why wouldn't it be? Well, the idea is like, well, you know, it's not a traditional Hanukkah. It's 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 different, and it's like. So it's a candle versus. I, like, I, that's what? why I, that was kind of my point. Oh, okay. Is, you know, they're talking about well, you know, it's not a traditional Hanukkah. It's not it's not waxed candles, and it's like, well, waxed candles aren't actually technically traditional either. So maybe you they go, had this yeah. conversation back in the day. You go back far enough, and, and it's like, like well, 
well, how can we do the candles? They're it's, not traditional. It's like, why are, we not, why are we not using oil lamp? It's like, well, they're not exactly the super safest thing in the world. It'd be a lot safer to use wax and yeah. a lot more convenient. It's like, oh, this new generation just giving up on traditions. Really? It's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't oh, know. I'm just, okay. just being, thinking out loud right now. Thinking out loud about that? Yep. Well, hopefully you've enjoyed our conversation about uh, is Christ really the reason for the season? Mm-hmm. And also talking about... Hanukkah. Is yeah. there something else you wanted to add? Or you... Just that we've only really scratched the surface. There's so much oh, more absolutely. here. Um, and I would challenge everyone to go and scratch that surface a little deeper. Agreed. Because there is so much to all of these feasts, including Hanukkah. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So may you all have a fantastic Hanukkah this upcoming week. Amen. And be blessed. Enjoy time with your family. And tune in next week. Amen. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. I also wanted to let you know that if you were to invest in a Tree of Life Bible, you too can read and sing the Aaronic Benediction along with many other Hebrew blessings and prayers. And you'll have the Hebrew actually written in in Hebrew and then also the English version of the Hebrew and then translating that into English in the back of the Bible. Now, as I do every week, I'm going to go ahead and end with the Aaronic Benediction, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 to 26. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua Sashalom in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Please feel free to message me at MessyMessianicMama.com or you can email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com That's E as in Echo, L as in Lemur, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, Amazon Mike, the number three at protonmail.com. Also feel free to leave me a one minute voicemail message at anchor.fm forward slash Erica Lacasse. There's a button on my anchor website that says leave a voicemail. Thank you so much. And remember to leave all messages short and sweet and to the point. And I look forward to hearing from each and every one of you.